0: Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here it is Wednesday, March 31st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Flyers Sabres again tonight. Uh, we'll see if tonight is going to be a little bit more according to plan, at least according to the plan before the game. But we got some shocking news yesterday as the Flyers waived Shane Goss despair. So to speak on that, speak on the game, speak about the player usage in Game 1 against the Sabres, joining us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Never never a dull day.
0: Yeah, and um, a little bit of a shocker to uh, as we record this the day of. Shane Gostasper goes on waivers. What's your initial kind of thought on uh, when you saw that news? Kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, taken aback by it. Um, you know, I, I, if, if ghost were, if the news was that ghosts were traded today, I, I wouldn't have been caught off guard. Uh, waivers is an interesting decision. I, I, I think that because of the term remaining on his contract, there's a, there's at least a pretty decent shot that he you know goes on claim just because of how many, how many years are left on the deal. But still it's, you know, you figure it's a player who's been part of the starting lineup for a number of years. I don't know, you know. I don't know if that's to um, as a precursor to another move. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a message to the locker room as a whole that, you know, you can't get too comfortable. I, I don't know, you know, but it's, uh, you know, but certainly, you know, certainly it, it's open. It's open a lot of eyeballs today. I'll say that for sure.
0: No doubt about it. Um, You know, it comes the day after the Sabre game where AV really relied on his veterans in that game. Uh, it, You know, one thing that will get a message to a room is a waiver of a, of a popular player, a player who's been with the team some time. It, could that be part of the equation as well?
1: I think so, because if you go just by, you know, who's been in the lineup, who hasn't been in the lineup, well, I mean, you know, Eric Gossips can't stay in the lineup. He's been a scratch for a while. And then he's, you know, he's a guy who he's only signed through this year. I mean there's about a million and a half in salary cap difference. But if you're if you're just you know, if you're looking just to uh have a little more flexibility on the roster to potentially be a precursor to the, to the to a move, the logical would be the guy, you know, the guy who's not been in the lineup much lately. So, you know, I I, I think that I, I think that there are there are other layers to it beyond just, just flexibility on the roster. That's that's um, you know,
0: So let's talk about that. A.V. did say he expects him to go unclaimed. Uh, you you can have kind of your feel as a head coach or an organization, Chuck Fletcher, on whether a guy is going to kind of clear waivers or not, and you just talked about the term and remaining contract that he has. Um, are there a few areas where you look at and say, mm, maybe this is a team though that might be interested? You look at Florida who just lost Aaron Eckblad to a, a gruesome injury, um, and you look at some other teams around the league that may be able to take on caps, or, or maybe a team looks at him and says, hey, maybe this is something we can spin as well into uh, another deal that we make.
1: Yeah, and that that that's a possibility. You know, there are there are teams that might have a spot to protect him in the expansion draft or might expose him in the expansion draft. You're just you know if it's a waiver claim, then he might be, you know, as good as a rental, um, even though he has he has term left. Uh, Florida to me is the obvious team, as you as you mentioned with Aaron Eckblad being out for the rest of the season. And, you know, I mean an ancillary thing, of course, is that Shane is from South Florida. So, you know, he would be returning home, it would be a, you know, it would be a uh A a headline grabbing move there, you know. But it also, but also they need help on the power play. Just it just makes sense. It just makes some sense, you know. That would be a destination for him possibly.
0: Yeah, and the other and the other part of it is, um, you know, he does have some name value. He is a guy, a defenseman that has had sixty five points in this league. There, you know, a lot of times organizations, not that I'm suggesting that he's broken or anything like that, but they look at players and they say, I've seen him do this before. He's not that far removed. We can put him in the spot to do it again. There, there's almost that bravado of sport that says, I can get that out of that player, even if he's not getting that where he is.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, there's always a strong belief in coaches that I, that I'm, you know, yep, that I can get that out of that player for sure.
0: Um, when you look at the situation and you know how this plays out going forward, how much cap savings, if he does clear, and they assign them to the AHL or the taxi squad, how much cap savings does that allow them? And does that also allow Chuck to have this, you know, maneuverability between calling up from the AHL affiliate, like we've seen with other players, to bank cap space?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, because if a player is on the uh, taxi squad, then during the period he's on the taxi squad, you are, you know, he's not counting against your your NHL cap number during during that period of time. Now he's 4.5 million for the full season. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the full season would be whatever's prorated over, you know, and of course the cap is calculated every day. So whatever his, so whatever his daily cap is over the time that he'd be on the taxi squad, that would be available cap space during during that time.
0: So you get that cap space and then you can combine that with their existing cap space. And now all of a sudden you're in a little bit different realm of a shopping number to be able to add, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, p- potentially so, um, you know, and you know, obviously for for this season, something by the deadline, um, you know, or if you were to go unclaimed and stay on the roster, then that's more cap. That's you know, that's, that's total savings for the summer money you have available to to go. You know, add that into what you look. You know, what your budget is to, to add a player from the outside.
0: Um, let's talk about the Buffalo game because Alain Vigneault made it clear prior to the game, Bill, that um, he was really leaning on his veterans to not have a letdown and that they needed to lead the way. We watched the first two periods of that game, the first forty minutes, and it, it was it was frankly um, irritating. It was it was it was baffling. And then in the third period, for some reason, this this team doesn't quit. I, I don't know whether to admire it or get annoyed by it, but. They don't quit, and they rally back. They get the game tied with a third-period rally, and they win it in overtime on Ivan Provorov's goal. Uh, But the shortening of the bench was really interesting to me. Three players didn't see the ice, Limbaugh Patrick and uh, Joel Farabee. And he rolled the veteran lines, and he put it on their shoulders. What's the reason why he did that first, in your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, you know, and he did a little bit last year, too. If a certain line or a certain player wasn't going, and it was sometimes upper lineup guys. There, there were games a couple of times last year where Vorchek really didn't play very much, you know, as the game went along. But uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Farabee is the team's leading goal scorer, so that was of the three. That was the the one that was a little bit of a head scratcher just because of the season he's been having. But I mean, Farabee was not by any means having his best game of the season, but he had a lot of company too. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think it was in some ways. You know, a gauntlet to the veterans. Okay, guys, you, you know, here you go.
0: Let us into this mess now. Get us out.
1: Yeah, they, basically so. I I think that it was as much a message to those guys as it was as it was to the three who who said. And those guys weren't having, you know, weren't having particularly good games. But I think that I think it was a a, a bigger picture thing for for that particular game. I mean, A. B. didn't even go into the room after the second period. And I, I coaches have done that before too. I think if mm-hmm. the coach is always in the room. Sometimes he's better off not going in and, all right, you guys figure this out, you know, and that, that was the I mean, last night, you know, last night it obviously it worked. You know, I don't you don't want you don't want to go to that all the time. But, last, you know, for last night, it worked, um, you know, and now I, the Flyers have made comeback bids before. Right. And, you know, when uh, they they beat Pittsburgh that way, they beat Buffalo earlier this month that way. Yep. Um, they had a, but they had the games against the Capitals where they just dug the hole a little too deep and couldn't come back. And you know, they they made a little mini push against the Rangers, but they were already too too deep of a hole in that game too. The eight to three game. So you know, it's just it's it's not a model that you ever want to, you know, what you don't have to go that well very often. And truthfully, you know, I I had to say very honestly that if it was any team other than Buffalo, I think the Flyers lose in regulation. Last night, if you play that same way, when it got when it got to three to one, you could already see the doubt creeping in the sabers mind. Yeah. And you know, I mean, they took two penalties, one of which was just a terrible penalty, the cross-checking one. You know, totally unnecessary. They took a bad icing with about two minutes to go. They were turning some pucks over. Actually, one of the goals. I mean, Provorov made a nice play on the keep, but still, you know, that puck needed to get out of the zone. It was it was turned over. Um, you know, they said they iced the puck with about two minutes ago, and then they missed the empty net. Now, you know, now Jur was pressuring Thompson, but still, a lot of times you still see guys hit the empty net there. They just yeah. they don't know how to close games out, and that that worked to the Flyers' benefit last night. And you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, in, in the second game of this back to back, I think they've gone to that well. You know, really like way too often the season. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a feel good win necessarily. And also, if you remember. Last night, I don't remember whether it was whether it was three to two at that point or the Flyers had just tied it up. But Elliott had to come up with a really big save because yep. um, because Myers was beaten off the rush. And, mm-hmm. you know, that could have very easily given that goal right back as they're, they're prone to doing. So I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a game they're going to feel very good about. They feel more relieved than anything else. But, you know, but yes, the, the veterans who you wanted to step up in, in you know, with the game on the line. They did that last night, but I, I you know, I, I think that I think just the, the process the first 40 minutes and we talk about it over and over and over again. You know, they played a good game against the Rangers and they they come out and you know, they don't they, they dig a hole again, you know, again against a team like Buffalo that's you know, if there's a more fragile team than the Flyers right now, it's the Buffalo Sabres. So I I think that um, you know, I don't think you feel very good about that game. I think it was more as you said, more frustrating than anything else. And then we always get into, okay, well, now they've won back to back. See how they respond next game because the track record, frankly, has not been very good this season. You know, yep. it's been a good game, a bad game, a few bad games. So we'll see.
0: Um, do you think part of this, too, is Elaine Vigneault going to the next level of motivation? He's got probably tiers of motivational strategies, and he's at the one now where it's, I'm totally not messing around. <laughs> and this is. Uh, yeah. And the ghost part of it and and the, the way he ran the bench in the Sabre game, it's it's a DEFCON 5.
1: No, no question. No question. He, uh, as you said, shortening the bench, um, calling out his veterans earlier in the day saying, you know, well, he was asked about taking the Sabres lightly and, and playing down to the love of your opposition. And he said, I'm relying on, on the leaders in this team to not let that happen. Well, they did. You know, and then it was another chat. Okay, guys, you know, it's it. Get get us out of this. You know, um, his words towards Carter Hart are are, are taking things to a a uh, a harsher level of motivation. But I mean, it's you know, but yeah, I I think you know, I've definitely seen that with him. Where, you know, particularly, you know, if you look at like um with with Lindblom and and Patrick, he's been preaching patience, preaching patience, preaching patience.
0: So let me ask you this last thing real quick. Um, They're going to face the Sabres again tonight and an opportunity to hand them their 19th straight loss. There there is a lot of pressure that goes to a team playing the Sabres because you don't want to be, quote, that team, right? But that being said, this team moving forward and and the way that – I mean, is this almost impossible to predict what is going on with this team and if they can – pull out of this and kind of get things pointed in the right direction. Cause this has so many different variables than a normal swoon in a regular season, coupled with a shortened season. So is this one of those ones that's damn near impossible to predict?
1: I think so. I really do think so. And also, you know, we get a a limited view because we're, you know, we're not on the road. Um, we're not in the room after practice, after games, you know, we get that that little bit of time on the you know on the um, video conferences. So it's a hard to get a sense of the pulse of the room at, at at a given time. And sometimes you know players will players or coaches will tell you more about what they don't tell you, or you get you get a sense. There's a body language you know in the room as well as on the ice. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of frustration, and also there've been a couple of references um Kevin Hayes has said it a few times where you know we very easily could get into finger pointing here right he said that last night he's like we you know we could have been we could have been in the locker room screaming at each other pointing fingers you know and they they didn't do that they they pulled together and they found a way to win which is like you know that's an encouraging sign but again that has to be followed up you know talk is cheap and I I think we're past you know we're really at the past the point where it's all in the doing you know yeah but um but I but I do think that there's concerned about the, the room being fragile about, you know, about that. Listen, I mean, Justin Ron said, this team has been getting in its own head. And I think that's probably an accurate assessment. You know, I, I think that that's a lot of that is going on. And I, and I think that for that reason, you know, things, things can turn quickly. I mean, look at where the flyers were heading into, you know, the heading into the Tahoe game, right. They just gotten a, a tough point, even though even they're playing the Rangers in that game, and the Rangers were down, and the Flyers are, you know, still up near the top of the standings, even with the time that they would missed, you know. But they're missing six guys from the lineup, and then from from Tahoe onward, I mean, it's been kind of just down, 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 yeah. And, you know, just you know, progressively. So I, you know, but things can turn fast, you know. And I, I'm going to use an example from last season, and while I don't think this team is Quite in the same space they were in a year ago. Do you remember the road trip right after Christmas? How badly yep. that went. I mean, they they were getting they were getting hammered on a nightly basis. Um, Arizona blew them out. Um, San Jose blew them out, uh, and and you know they had a game uh, that finally was a like a an overtime or a shootout loss in Carolina. Then they come home and they beat the Capitals, and all of a sudden that's that 19 game run into the pause where they were the best team in the NHL. It, things turn fast hockey sometimes and sometimes yeah, confidence can, can go in the other direction you know up or down in a hurry so you know I, I i i hesitate to say that you know it can't be turned around i but i but i think it is very fair to say you know it's very hard to predict right now it, it can still you know it, the flyers can still pull themselves up here you know and, and Things can also still get worse, too, because look look at a club like Buffalo. I mean, they're, you know, they are just, just a lost hockey
0: team. So, yeah. And more variables to deal with, uh, certainly this year. Bill, thanks for doing this. Great information, as always. We'll see if uh, Shane Gosses bear goes unclaimed and perhaps even in the lineup uh, for Buffalo Part 2. You never know. Uh, that can happen as well. Um, that's You've been listening to another episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers Sabres tonight. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you a breakdown episode coming up tomorrow, right here on Flyers Daily. It's all right.